This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. This morning I want to talk to you. I'm inspired by Pat a little bit and going old school here. I'm not going to use the PowerPoint. I've got the verses here on the board. And uh, we're going to go through and talk about finding true fulfillment in, in Christ because um, it certainly is something that we need to know and understand uh, because there's a lot going on in life. There's a lot of things that distract us. There's a lot of things that, that put us out of focus. And we need to know how we can find true fulfillment. And so this morning, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about gaining a spiritual perspective. I want to talk to you about what God desires for you for your true fulfillment, not in a, in a uh, prosperity gospel, Joel Osteen type of, of message that is so prevalent today, uh, but, but instead what God's desire is for your fulfillment, where we can find that fulfillment, because that completeness and that fulfillment, that sense of satisfaction, that sense of, of peace, that sense of stability and security, it has to come from Christ. So we're going to talk about that this morning. And then we're going to talk about how we can maintain that sense of fulfillment because there may be times in our life where we have that and then it wanes and then it, it grows and then it wanes and we go back and forth. Uh, but how can we more steadily have that sense of, of fulfillment in our lives no, no matter what's happening? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. The first verse, uh, if, if you've got your Bible and, and can flip to, uh, through, through these with me, um, John chapter 1, John chapter 1. Beginning in verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, that is the Word, who is God and was with God at the beginning. And without the Word was not anything made that was made. So you see, the Word is the creative source, the creative power that made all things. And uh, of course, we know in, in that chapter in First John, the argument and the, the thing that John is saying is that the Word is what became flesh, and we knew Him as Christ. So Christ is the one who created all things. He's the source of all things. And notice, as he goes on in verse 4, he says, In Him, in the Word, was life, and the life was the light of men. You see what, how things were intended to be? This gives us a picture of the intention of God and the purpose of man. As, as He created us, in Him was life, and that life was our light. That's, that, that source of life, the Word, um, God and, and being holy and the way things were in the creation, that was our light. That's what, what brought us our peace. That's what brought us our stability, our security, our confidence. That's what, it was everything to us as humans. But notice in verse 10, uh, it kind of fast forwards a lot and it talks about the development. Really, it kind of gives you a hint of the development of sin and how things have corrupted. So about, by the time that the Word came into the world, even though the world was made by Him, the world knew Him not. The world chose to reject Him. And I think that speaks to the plight of humanity. Um, you see, Christ is a creator and the world didn't recognize Him. And we think, man, that's so shocking. And we think maybe we, we would have recognized Christ. But the tragedy is that we haven't stopped struggling with not recognizing Christ. We all are susceptible to that. And, I mean, you can think about this for yourself. How often do we choose not to recognize what really matters in this life? How often do we choose to turn away from the Creator and instead look to things that are created in order to get that sense of purpose, in order to get that sense of happiness, in order to get that sense of, of fulfillment that we, that we long for? It's, it's truly something that I think all, all humans long for. We all want a sense of fulfillment and happiness and purpose, yet we won't find it if we turn to created things and we turn away from the Creator. And so... A few questions to kind of prime your mind as, uh, to, to help you identify this in your own life. Uh, where do you spend most of your time? That's a good question to ask. Where do you spend most of your time or who do you spend most of your time with? That's another great question. Those are the, the, we can look at our environment, we can look at our habits, we can look at the things we do, and that can start, those are signals to give us an indication of where we might be in that, in that sense. So thoroughly examine that. The other is who brings you the greatest sense of happiness? Or what brings you the greatest sense of happiness? We seek those things and we chase those things to, to kind of keep that, that happiness response in our life. And when things go wrong, we might try to go to that person or to that thing. 
It might be family. It might be friends. It might be other, other things. Um, what, what do you turn to when everything feels like it's going wrong? That's another great indicator of where our heart and our mind may be. Because if we turn to things that are not godly, then, then we certainly, that's certainly something to, to think about for sure. Or, or who do you turn to when things go wrong? Now, of course, the answer should be Christ, and the answer should be godliness, and the answer should be things related to spiritual matters. But yet, for many of us, that, that list might look like work or self-reliance. Sometimes that's a response. We, we uh, have this response of, of pouring ourselves into our job or our, into our work as a response to escape from the troubles and the woes that we have in life, and, and, or, or even if things are going good. Maybe it's just never good enough, and we keep on pouring and pouring into that, and, and so that's what the source of our contentment, our satisfaction, our fulfillment is, is coming from. Maybe it's hobbies. You know, some people pour themselves into those things, uh, whether it's uh, going to a sport, whether it's um, participating you know, in, in some type of thing with like animals, uh, caring for those. Maybe it's books. Maybe it's movies. Maybe whatever it is. There's entertainment, vacations, uh, music. Maybe it's possessions, maybe it's uh, our relationships with our kids, our, our, you know, some people pour themselves into their kids and really find their fulfillment in that, or their spouse, or their friends, or they always want to be with the, their friends and their, their, you know, their people, which is not always a bad thing, but I'm just saying we should carefully examine it and be honest about those things. Maybe it's drugs or alcohol or uh, your phone, maybe it's some type of addiction. Uh, those can be signals, if we just examine our environment, examine our habits, those all can be signals to help us understand and identify the answers to some of these questions. Uh, where are we getting our fulfillment from? And then you can just ask and be curious, why is it that I do that? What am I running from or what am I running to or what am I getting out of this? And then that can help you to start uh, really re- kind of refocus. But here's the problem with all those physical things. It doesn't matter what we turn to. But we all turn to something. We, we do. And uh, we all are getting our sense of fulfillment from something. And here's the, the issue with anything that is created, anything that is physical. It's temporary. It's, not, it's just not going to last. In Ecclesiastes 6, verse 7, the, the, uh, the teacher here says, All the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet his appetite is not filled. How often do we work? I mean, how many meals have we worked? How many times have you gone to the grocery store? We work for money, and then the money goes to the grocery store. And with three kids, I don't know how some of y'all with more than three kids are even living and surviving, but <laughs> groceries, are just they just go, go, go out of the house. Um, I often joke around with people and say, like, if I bring groceries into the house, this swarm of piranhas just comes and like leaves the shredded bags, and then and it's like, all right, I got to go back to the store. Um, but that's the problem. We we labor and 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 we save up and we do all these things to fulfill our flesh or fulfill our our hunger, and these are basic needs. But those needs are never going to be filled. That's the point. We're never going to be satisfied with those things, and the th- the same is true no matter what level of financial wealth we achieve or freedom or whatever we achieve, it's never going to be enough. We're always going to want more, and we're always going to need more. And so to try to get fulfillment and joy, um, we, we do try to get fulfillment and joy in many things, but that desire is insatiable. So I think that's something we need to know. That's a problem with physical things. Next, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not of the abundance of the things that he possesses. Sometimes uh, we like to measure our success and measure our lives by our net worth and all the things that we possess, and that's a signal to us if we're good or if we're, if we're great, if we're, if we're successful, but our lives are worth more than physical things. It does not matter how many assets we, we accumulate. It does not matter how many physical things we store up for ourselves. It does not matter how big our bank account is. It is not measured by the stuff that we have, and that is a core problem with the idea of the prosperity gospel, and, it, and it's so prevalent right now in, in this world, and in America especially, where we have abundance of wealth, it's easy to tell people, God wants you to be wealthy. Of course, I, I don't know that the prosperity gospel is very popular in some of the poor countries. And I don't think that they're looked on very well. In, in, you, know, you think about these churches that are based here in America who have 
all this opulence and all this wealth and who could probably buy a you know private plane with one contribution from a from a Sunday service uh, I don't think they probably look at those poor countries very well because you know obviously they measure their faith and their their standing with God by the wealth that they have and so logically it just that's what it's going to lead to you will look down on people who have less as if they are worth less than you because you have more and so that's the problem with that kind of thinking and Jesus speaks to that and says beware of that covetousness because your life is not our life is not about stuff and the things that you own and the wealth that you have it truly is not uh, life is much more than that but it's easy to get pl- pulled into looking at this world and forgetting to make Christ the life and, and life our light and so the major question is how can we make Christ the source of our fulfillment well it starts with number one gaining a spiritual perspective I think that's the the primary starting point we need to look at this life less physically and more spiritually and uh, I know I know that you know we're limited to our physical nature we're limited to our physical uh, capacity of course and the limits of our of our sight um, for sure but that's why Christ gave, gives us the word that's why Christ instructs us so that we can begin to see some see this life totally different so we need to reframe this in our mind what life is and what it's all about um, we were created and this is easy to, to forget because of all the death that surrounds us we were created to live as humans we were created to live and not die God never intended when he made Adam and Eve the he, he created the possibility of this but of course because they you know he gave them freedom and they chose and then death entered into the world but God's purpose was for humans to live and death was not part of that plan and we know that because now that death has entered into the world God sent his son to do something about that and to remove death and sin because that was never part of God's plan he doesn't want sin and death he wants humans to live continually and so when we're created the purpose we should be is to live forever and not die Um, and it's difficult for us to grasp because you know death is around us and our lives um, you know they're not purely physical but we need to understand that we are part of something bigger than just this physical nature Uh, and when Christ came into the world teaching and performing miracles I want to point that out like this this trouble that people have with the spiritual perspective People were so focused on just physical things. We talked about, uh, Pat has been studying about the Samaritan woman in John 4. Remember when Christ came to her, he says, whoever drinks of this water is going to thirst again, and whoever drinks of water that I will give him will never thirst. Now, is Christ really talking about some water that he's going to give her? He's not. He's talking about something much bigger, something much more important. But notice, when she hears that, she says to him in verse 15, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, or, or neither come here hither to draw. She doesn't want to come to this well to draw this water anymore. She doesn't want to thirst anymore. So there's, I'll give her credit because it's like, hey, I want that. But she was still thinking about actual just physical water. She wasn't listening to what Jesus was really saying. He's bringing something into her life that is going to satisfy her in a way that this physical water could never satisfy. That's what he's trying to get at. But she was just so focused on this physical water. Now, we talked about, um, the, the last sermon I talked about, we studied John chapter 6, where these people were pursuing Christ for the wrong reasons. But look at these hungry and, and uh, these hungry Jews who were just going after Jesus for, for a handout in John 6. He said, Verily, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you ate, uh, did eat of the loaves and were filled. And he rebukes them and says, don't labor for the meat that perishes. That's John 6, 26 and 27. Labor not for the meat that perishes, but for the meat that endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. For him has God the Father sealed. Now, as they continue their conversation, you know, they kind of question Christ and uh, kind of, um, you know, are kind of bickering with him a little bit. And in verse 33, he says, for the bread of God is he that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. See, Jesus is talking about something spiritual in nature. He, he is the bread of life that's coming to bring life to people. But notice their response in verse 34. They said to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. He's standing right in front of them. And, and he's telling them, I am that bread. I'm the one that God sent into this world. I'm giving you something greater than physical bread. They were so focused on the story of Israel and how God gave them food and, and took care of them. 
And Jesus is standing here saying, I'm going to give you something greater that's going to take care of your real needs. And they say, give us that bread. They're just so excited for bread. Um, and of course, he tells them, I am the bread, and if you eat of me, you'll never hunger. And if you believe on me, you'll never thirst. Um, in verse 36, he says clearly, they have also seen me and believe not. So Jesus is the one that is that true water and that true bread that they needed, but they were so incapable because of their, their lack of spiritual perspective. They were so focused on the physical world. And that's what makes it difficult. If we don't have spiritual perspective, it's going to make it hard for us to see the real truth of Christ and His Word and what it means to us in our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul makes this clear to the Corinthians. He says, the natural man, the natural man, our, if that's what we're focused on, our natural state and our physical body, receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So we've all talked to people that way who just don't have any concept of spiritual matters. And if you talk to them about spiritual matters, they'll, think, they'll just look at you and think it's foolish. They think you sound crazy. They, they, they don't get it and don't want that. And it's because they're not spiritually minded. And if we allow ourselves to just be so focused on physical things, when we hear and study the Word of God, we might go, I'm just not so sure. And we are trying to, to you know, force the Word of God onto this physical uh, map and, and, and going, okay, um, he's talking about some physical thing. And no, he's not. It's, he's talking about something much more important and much deeper. Now, make no mistake, it impacts our physical life for sure, uh, because we're carrying this out and we're living this out in our bodies and in this world. However, we need to be not, uh, we need to be spiritually minded and spiritually focused so that we can know the things of, of the Spirit of God. Um, and this is important, that we practice this now and we understand that and we, and we come to terms with that and gain the spiritual perspective now because our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3, uh, verse 20, Paul said that our conversation or, or citizenship is in heaven. And that's from whence we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Jesus is in heaven. Our citizenship is there. That's what we ought to be focused on and our mind should be placed on um, because it's like this life is just a stepping stone to get to that place and not, and not the other way around where we sometimes get pulled into and think this life is everything. It's not. It's really not. And we ought to live in alignment with the Spirit and not the flesh. Romans 8, Paul makes that clear. Verse 11, through 13, he says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and, and here's, you know, we're working towards an outcome, he that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you will live. So if you look at the spiritual precepts of the, of the scriptures and apply that to your life and live in alignment with the Spirit, you will live. And that's what's going to help you make Christ the light of your life. And if we're just so focused on the flesh, we're just so focused on this physical life, we're just so trapped and, and, and enslaved to thinking about this world, then we will die because we're going to live in service to the flesh. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to break free from that. Because His kingdom is not something that's physical. And we often get so derailed by thinking that it's going to be some physical thing. And we just, we just aren't paying attention sometimes. Romans 14, 17 through 18, he says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not something that's physical, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the kingdom of God is it consists of and, and includes. It's, it's rooted in those things. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And he, for he that in these things serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. So the kingdom is not something that we ought to be thinking as a physical thing that's going to happen, but it's rooted in these concepts that, as he mentions here. So it's spiritual in nature, and yes, it impacts our spiritual, our physical lives because we're carrying it out, but we need to decouple this idea that that um, we're physical and there's no spiritual implications about what we're doing. We need to understand that we are living out spiritual precepts in our physical bodies and, and it points to a greater reality. It points to a greater picture. There's a bigger part of the story that we're part of. And when we shift our perspective and reframe that in our minds and we, we look at it differently, 
it will change our lives. Our eyes will be opened. Uh, we will be awakened to righteousness. Um, as Paul said, awake from your sleep, and, and you'll be able to see things much more clearly uh, in your life. And you'll see the tactics of Satan at play in your life, and you'll be able to be more alert about those things, and you'll be able to put think, the Word of God in, in, to effect in your life so that you can grow in spiritual strength. Uh, and remember, Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, it's not physical, it's not bodily, but it's spiritual. And God gives us weapons to fight this, this spiritual battle, uh, not only to fight it, but to win it um, through Christ. Because that's what God desires. He wants you to be truly fulfilled. Now again, this isn't a prosperity gospel or you know, this, this trendy uh, gospel message and, and this perversion of, of Christianity that we see all around us. It's nothing like that. But know that God knows the things that you need in this life. And He's going to help you have the things that you need. You may not have all the wealth. You, we're not going to achieve the wealth of you know, the Elon Musk or the Jeff Bezos of the world. We're not. But we're going to have what we need. You're going to eat. You're going to have, you're gonna have um, you know, I mean, Christ didn't have a home, and we, we're not promised that, but we're going to have... Uh, safety. We're going to have, uh, you know, and, and maybe even not that at times, but you might go hungry a little bit. You might, uh, you might be lacking things that you want, and, and it will be frustrating, and, but ultimately you're going to have what you need because God sees that and will provide those things. And beyond those physical blessings, He wants you to have something much deeper. He doesn't want us to get trapped in uh, the physical blessings and forget about him. That's what happened to Israel. He told them, when you go into the land of Canaan and your life is opulent and you have all the things, you have all the food and all the wealth and all the, the peace, don't forget me. And that's exactly what happened. So sometimes those troubling times where we are lacking and we are struggling and we are uh, you know, kind of anxious about those things, actually not always a bad thing. Um, because it can help us refocus on, on, on God. Um, but he gives us physical things, and he wants to warn us, and he does warn us not to lose sight of, of, of seeking him, but it, he does it because it's his good pleasure towards us. He doesn't want us to, to suffer. He doesn't want us to be in anguish, not, need, not needlessly. If it's leading to fruits of righteousness and it's something we need to grow, then yeah, he's going to allow that. But ultimately, he wants your true fulfillment. Luke chapter 12, Jesus speaks to this very clearly in tw verse 27 through 32. Consider the lilies, how they grow. The, the grass of the field and the, just the, the natural world around us. Consider how they grow. They don't work. They don't spend. They're not, they're not toiling. They're not putting in all this effort. They're not doing all these things. They just grow, and God gives them what they need, the sunlight and the moisture and all the things. And yet I say, Solomon in all his glory, he was the wealth, one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest, and wisest kings of, of Israel or of the world in his time period, and had every single thing he wanted. Pat talked about that last week. He had anything and everything he wanted. And Jesus says, even that man in all his glory was not clothed like one of these lilies of the field. He was not as, as beautifully arrayed as, as one of those lilies of the field. And if God chooses to so clothe the grass, which is in the field temporarily and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. He, he's speaking to, to the disciples, speaking to us. How much better is God thinking about you? You're a far greater value than grass in the field and flowers in the field, aren't we? He talks about the sparrows too, you know, in, in another passage, a similar passage. He says, God takes care of the sparrows. Are you not, are you not worth more than sparrows? You are. Your life is more valuable than, than a sparrow. And yet God gives them what they need. And so we can have confidence that God will absolutely take care of us. Verse 29, Seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, and neither be doubtful in your mind. For these things, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So he says, seek the kingdom first. Put the same effort in seeking the kingdom as we do planning and thinking and working about our next meals that we're going we're gonna to have. I mean, we're already probably, 
you know, some of us in the room are already probably thinking, well, what are we going to do for lunch? What are we going to do for dinner? What are we going to do tomorrow? We already have this mapped out, and we have this planned out, and we're looking for those things. Let's put the same intention and the same effort into the kingdom of God. What are we going to do in the kingdom tomorrow? Or what are we going to do later today? What are we going to do for, for God this afternoon or this evening or in the morning? Let's have some type of, of intentionality toward it. Seek the kingdom, and those other things will work themselves out. Because the kingdom is the most important thing, and everything else will, will be fine. Um, we shall be filled. Matthew chapter 5 and 6, he says, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Not just hunger and thirst, but we need to be hungering and thirsting after spiritual matters, after righteousness, and you will be filled if that's what you're hungry for. God will provide righteousness for you and, and to you, and you will grow in that. So be hungry. Be hungry and thirsty after righteousness. Want more. We want more. Just the way we look at food. Um, I recently, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a really nice thing. There's a company that's developed a, a pork. They've genetically modified it to not have the alpha-gal protein. We got some free samples, and I just want more of that. <laughs> and I've had, I had bacon uh, for like the first time in 14 years, and it was amazing. And, you know, it's gone now, and I'm left with this, I'm left with this just desire. I want more of that. I'm hungry and thirsty after this, this bacon, because it was amazing, but what if we had that same mindset and same attitude about the Word of God? It's so incredible. It's so amazing. Look at all the things that it does for our life, how, how deeply and richly it's, it fulfills our life, and just we should want more of that and more of that and just not be able to get enough of righteousness. And God will fill us. There's an, an everlasting supply of, of righteousness if we will put that same type of thinking onto spiritual matters. Um, and, and we want to have an abundant... He wants to give us life abundantly. Now, because He provides above and beyond our needs, again, He doesn't just satisfy physical things. He gives us what we really need, and He satisfies our spiritual needs. John chapter 10, verse 10, "...the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy." Jesus has come so that they might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He doesn't want us to just have life. He wants us to have life abundantly. Now, again, prosperity-minded gospel preachers, uh, if you can call them gospel preachers, they have twisted these verses, and they, they want you to think abundant life means that you're going to have riches and wealth and, and all this happiness in life, and that is simply not true. Because if you live a Christian life, you will receive persecution. You will. Look at the example of the, of the church in the first century. Does it sound like their life was very abundant when you look at just the physical things? They were being chased out of, out of places from town to town, being stoned, being martyred, being imprisoned, having no, no stationary home to live in, no place to, to call home and just go back to, no peace and safety in that sense, no sense of security because they were, they were being hunted. Does that sound like abundant life in the, let's just pretend that Joel Osteen was a prominent preacher in that time. Do you think the people that would have resonated with people? No, because those messages are purely focused on the physical things of this life and pretending that having all these things and having all these comforts is actually peace when it's not. It's a trap of Satan. And having those things is not peace, but it's killing us. So, Abundant life is something far greater and far deeper. And I'll, I'll tell you, those apostles and the, the people in the first century, though it looked like they were suffering and all these things, they had it. They had abundant life, truly. And, and Jesus wants us to have that. He, he, he gives us eternal life. And in this life, he doesn't promise us wealth and, and peace and safety and all those things. He promises us suffering, and, uh, but in the end, eternal glory because that's what we're working towards, something that is far, far greater. And he wants us to be filled with that fullness. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 through 19, he, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height 
and to know the love of Christ, which, which passes knowledge, that, he, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what God wants from you and for you in your life. He wants you to know and comprehend beyond what the physical world will allow us to understand and comprehend. The, notice how he adds all those dimensions, the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. He wants you to know the full, full dimensions of God's love for you, and, and he wants you to be filled with that in your life. And that you will not get that from possessions. You will not get that from stuff. You won't. If you, if you seek that, you're going to be chasing that, and you're going to end up empty. You will. We need to find full joy through faith. 1 John 1, uh, verse 1 through 4, we, we've read this verse not long ago either. Um, at communion last Sunday, or the Sunday before, I was talking about that that these apostles are eyewitnesses. They've given us the word. And Paul and uh, John writing, he says, we've seen him, we've heard him, we've touched him, we've handled him, we've lived with him, and we know him. He is eternal life. He's the one that wrote, the word became flesh. And John says, we were eyewitnesses of that, and, and even much more than that. He says, and we declare these things to you. Why? In verse 4, these things we write to you that your joy may be full. John wants you to know about these things in the word, and be spiritually minded and spiritually focused. And as Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, hear it. Open your ears spiritually. Open your eyes spiritually and see it so that you can go look at the great gift that God has given us far beyond anything we could achieve. He's given us this knowledge. He's given us this precious gift. And he wants to give us that out of his good pleasure so that the fullness of God can be in us and our joy may be full. We should never be lacking joy. Things happen in life and things shake us up and that's natural and that's normal and there's nothing wrong with being you know, afraid and, and uh, scared temporarily and, and being shook up a bit. Um, Paul, Paul went through all kinds of emotions and we read about that in the scriptures, but ultimately there was a foundation of, of joy and of security and peace and confidence in Christ um, that, that could never be taken away because ultimately our completeness comes from Him. Remember, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. How do we even get into that? How do we even achieve that? Romans 5, 1 through 12. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's your peace. And of course, he fulfills our, our, the righteousness and gives us more and more righteousness. And, and that joy is what he gives us too. He says, by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He gives us so much joy so much peace and righteousness, and that's all found in Jesus. And ultimately, he's the only place, the only person, the only thing that can give us that sense of, of fullness, because all the fullness dwells in Christ. Let's read first, uh, Colossians chapter 1, 12 through 19. Now, this is important. There's a lot of details. Paul writes this to, em to really, really impress upon our minds and emphasize in our minds how important Christ is. Look at Colossians 1, 12 through 19. He says, giving thanks to the Father, which has made us meet or made us uh, uh, suitable uh, to, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Like that phrase alone, we could probably spend time unpacking, but he's made us partakers of the inheritance. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us or put us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom, in his son, we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. Look at all these things that are stacking on top of each other that we receive in Christ. And who is Christ? He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of every creature, firstborn from the dead. For by him, we're all, and firstborn in right, he's the, the, the son that is the, the uh, promised son that has the inheritance. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him, by Christ, are all things created that are in heaven and, and on earth visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created by Christ and for Christ. And Christ is before all things, and by Christ all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. He is the preeminent being and 
the sovereign over all things, the source of all things. Everything is held together by him, including you. For, verse 19, it says, It pleased the Father that in Christ should all fullness dwell. So if you want fullness, if you want access to that sense of joy and that fullness that God wants you to have, it comes only in Christ. And again, the Word became flesh. We read that in First John, um, in, four, in verse 14, he says, that, that Word dwelt among us, we beheld His glory the, as the only begotten of the Father, and He was full of grace and truth. And He wants us to have that fullness. In verse 16, He talks about that, and it says, For His fullness have we all received grace for grace, and so, uh, or of His fullness. So Jesus shares that fullness with us and, and, and completes us. And so this is important to know if you because I've, I've had this at times, and it, and it happens for sure. But if you're walking around life with a sense of emptiness, if you're walking around life with a sense of, I'm lacking something, and I am incomplete, and I'm chasing something, and I'm trying to fill this hole that I have in my, my heart, in my soul, I'm trying to fill this thing and achieve this thing so I can finally have this rest and finally have this sense of peace that I achieved the, the, whatever the status is or whatever the possession is that I'm trying to achieve or what, whatever the goal is I'm trying to get to, or you are working for those things, but it's just not bringing you satisfaction, and you're empty, and you're empty, and you're empty, and you're just chasing that and chasing that, and we're constantly looking for those dopamine hits to make us feel happy, so we think that we're fulfilled, and we think that everything's good, but then when that wears off, we're just not satisfied, and instead we're scared, and we're worried, and we're stressed, and we're anxious, and we're depressed. If those are the things that are happening, we, we need to know that our it's always going to be that way if we don't find our completeness in Christ because he's the only one that can make us complete in here. He's the only one that can satisfy all of those errors and those wrongdoings, the guilt, the shame, the trauma, the, the hurt that you've, you've experienced in life. He's the only one that can repair those things truly. He's the healer, and he wants to do that for us. But if we're looking to be filled by any other thing, it's going to fail. It it may not seem like it right now. It may not seem like it in 10 years or 20 years. But we need to, we need to have long-term vision and the foresight to go, okay, yeah, this feels great now, but what's going to happen later? It's just going to leave you empty. Colossians chapter 2, 6-10. As you have re- therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Be thankful and abound with thanksgiving for the faith that you have in Christ and and the things that you've been taught. And beware lest any man spoil you. Beware, because there's people trying to spoil you constantly through philosophy, through vain deceit, through the traditions of men, through the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. We can find our completeness in Jesus Christ. He will make us whole and repair those missing things in our life. And He's the only place where we can find that. And and if, if we try to fill it with anything else, it is going to fail, ultimately. And that's a, that's a guarantee that we have from the Scriptures. So, the last... The last thing we'll talk about, how can we maintain that sense of fulfillment? If we, if we get that, if we have that, um, how can we have that more constantly in our lives and more steadily? And I'm going to tell you things that you already know because there's not a secret. There's not some special formula or some um, one, you know, you see those ads on, online, one simple trick to have, you know, whatever it is. There's no one simple trick. It's work process. It's, it's, you know, I hear that in the, in, the, in the business world too. It's like, how do you be successful? You see all the flashy guys going, you just do this thing and follow my, my tactic and you're going you're gonna to be making, you know, 50 million a month and all that. And it's like, no, they make it look all flashy and great. And you're going to have this cars and you're going to have the money and you're going to have the mansions. And the, the truth is the people who are, who are successful are the ones that are putting in the effort and putting on the work boots and showing up every day and doing the tasks that nobody wants to do. They're doing the tasks day by day, doing the things that are hard work. Um, it's just like, like 
you know, Miguel has talked about running and exercise, and we've talked about uh, fitness. Jesse's made some um, some illustrations using those things. And you know, if you want the success of of being fit or the success of achieving some uh, something like a race, well, you have to put in the endurance and the effort, and you have to build on that effort. And and even when you don't feel like doing that, you need to, regardless of your feelings, get up and do those things. And and uh, exercise, it's not fun, but it will yield the results that we're wanting to achieve, and that's the same with the scriptures. No different. It's not fun sometimes when it's like, oh, I really want to watch that new episode, the new Star Wars episode. I really want to watch that. Or I can't have time to study the scriptures. It's a hard, it's hard, and I don't do very good on that sometimes, um, for sure. And, and I get really distracted easily, but, but those are the choices that we have before us, and it, in the moment it just doesn't seem like a big deal. But unless we're thinking long-term and thinking spiritually and thinking about our future and being spiritually minded, then it's just going to, our time, we're going to look up and go, oh, man, I should have done that. And we're going to go, well, yeah, great, I know, all the, I know all the details about, you know, Harry Potter, but I have no idea about the scriptures. It's like, you know, if we invest in those things can be fun and entertaining, but they're also distracting. So how do we maintain that? Well, it's work, and there's no secrets here. There's no secret new information. It, it starts with just studying the scriptures. Open the Bible and read and study, and don't just read it. You know, I've, I've encountered people before who are like, oh, I'm just having a really bad day. Can we study the Bible? And then we study the Bible, like, oh, I feel, I feel great. And it's just like this Band-Aid and then they're having trouble again, and then they want to read the Bible, and then they, and it just goes back and forth, and it's like, no, don't treat the Scripture like a, don't treat the Scripture like a Band-Aid, or like this, you know, like, like this, the sugar rush that temporarily is going to make you feel happy, and then you're like, okay, I'm fine, I don't need it anymore, I'm okay, I've got this. No, look to it as the life-giving source that we need in order to live and survive, and so when we approach the Scriptures, reading is good, studying is better. Um, First, uh, Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. If you want to grow and you want to, st- you want to mature in your, your life, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that you may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God wants you to be complete, and he wants you to be completely equipped to go and do the good work that he has uh, pointed us to. But we won't achieve that completeness or the ability to go and do the work if we, we aren't spending time studying and meditating upon His Word. Second Peter 1, 1 through 1-4, Peter says, You've obtained a like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God our Savior and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus and Jesus our Lord. You will not have grace and you will not have peace in your life and it will not be multiplied to you. It'll be dried up, and it'll be a withered vine. But you will have a flourishing, thriving vine in your life of grace and peace from God through the knowledge of God and through the knowledge of Christ. And notice, he's given us for this purpose, according as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through what? The knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. And so they're precious promises, and he talks about how they make us part of the divine nature, which is his holiness, if you want to be a part of that, it takes reading and studying His Word and, and getting more knowledge about Jesus. Because if we don't, we won't. And of course, we have to believe what we're reading and, and implement this into our life because we can read anything, but whether you believe it, that's a whole other matter. And how do you know if you believe? How do you know if you believe what the Bible says? Well, it's not a feeling. We don't read it and go, oh, I believe it. No. It's like, okay, if this is true, if I believe this, that He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness through knowledge of of God, and if I believe that, I'm going to live that out. I mean, it does, there's this, it's going to inspire us to have confidence. I mean, Romans 15 talks about how Christ was the uh, minister of circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and He speaks of a prophecy about how the Gentiles were going to be part of this, and talks about God's purpose and His plan and all these things, but notice what he says in verse 13. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So that, that grace and that peace 
that we receive, it's through the knowledge, but it also comes through grace and, and that uh, joy and that peace come through believing what we've read and what we're studying so that we can abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. We're reading it and we have confidence in it because it's facts and it's data, it's information that we can count on and that spurs us to have a sense of confidence. But again, how do you know if you believe it? Well, if you carry it out. You cannot say that you believe in Christ if you're not living His Word and, and not carrying it out. Like that, that's not a sign to me that somebody who is an actual uh, believer. A lot of people claim to be believers, but they're thinking about this sense of this, this feeling they have. Um, it's one thing to just agree and go, yeah, God is great. But prove it in your life, and that comes through obedience. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said, If a man love me, if you love me, he will keep my words. A lot of people think that that means, well, a lot of people ignore that. There's prevalent teachings in, in, in uh, the world today that tell you there's nothing you can do, and there's no work, and there's no effort, and there's no, and it's all this Calvinist, you know, idea um, of, and, and it just doesn't make sense when you look at Jesus' words. He says, if you love me, you will keep my words. That means you're, gonna, you're going to honor them and carry them out in your life. And my father, guess what the result is? My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. You want joy and peace and grace in your life and your heart? God the Father will dwell in you if you hear and keep his word. And you will dwell in him. And it will be a union that will give you the completeness that you're looking for and that, that we long for and that we yearn for. John 15, finally, uh, last verse here, John 15, uh, verse 9 through 11, he says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So how can we have confidence in that? How can we know that? How can we believe that if... We keep the commandments of God that will abide in His love because Jesus is the model for that. And He says, look at, look at me. I kept my Father's commandments and I abide in His love. And if you do that, if you keep His commandments, you put in the effort, you put in the work of, of yielding yourself in obedience to God, not according to your own designs, but according to the designs of the Word of God, then you will abide in His love. And, and God will abide in you. And so, uh, again, in verse 11, He says, These things have I spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. You see, Jesus is intent on making us have this sense of joy and peace and stability that we long for, that we will never get from the world. But he, he offers it to us freely. He gives it to us and wants us to be participants in that. He's a life-giving, uh, through His life-giving Word and life-changing Word. And the conclusion is we need to be in Christ the Creator. Now, obviously, we haven't talked about the first principles, but it, it, you have to be baptized in the Christ, of course, or we cannot have access to that, to that joy. If we, if we know and, and are uh, aware of our sins and aren't doing anything about it, we can't ha access that love um, you know, fully, and our joy won't be full, but He wants that to, to be the case, of course. Um, so for any, any that may be listening later, you must be baptized in the Christ as a step of, of that obedience, for sure. But for us that are in Christ and have been baptized into Christ, it's an ongoing continuation. It's not like, okay, Christ paid it all, my sins are paid, I can just take my foot off the gas and just kind of be on autopilot. That's just not, we're not going to uh, meander our way into spiritual maturity and spiritual strength. We're not going to, uh, it's not going to be by happenstance. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm spiritually strong and my family is spiritu spiritually strong. I didn't have any plan, I didn't have any effort, I didn't have any intention. It just kind of happened. That, that doesn't happen. You try, try that with, let's, again, thinking about the physical life, comparing those things. Try that with your, with your uh, savings account. You're just going to, oh, I don't know. We just happened to save, you know, a bunch of money and we're, we're good. No, you got to put an effort and, and try and put in these boundaries and put in this effort. So the principles are the same in that sense. We're not going to just accidentally become joyful. We're not going to accidentally become obedient. We're not going to accidentally, uh, you know, become believers. We're not accidentally going to find the fullness of Christ and be complete. It takes intention and it takes action. And anyone that tells you otherwise is, is lying. 
God's not going to just overtake you and make you do these things through His Spirit. That's not how it works. We need to, to have the intention, and, and it's, it's a cooperative effort with God, and that's what He wants. He calls us in other passages co-laborers, of course, and uh, that's what God wants from us, and we can have that. And I want to leave you with hope and with joy in, in the sense that you can achieve that. It's, it's possible. It's not something that's reserved for only the, spiritual, the spiritually strongest it's, a, it's available for all who want to be in Christ and who are in Christ. He wants that for you. Uh, so if we instead live in pursuit of things created, the physical world, we're going to be disappointed and our life is going to be meaningless no matter what thing you achieve or sacrifice or gain in this world because without Christ, we are nothing and, and we can do nothing. And so uh, I leave the thoughts with you this morning. I uh, hope that... Uh, you truly understand or can begin to understand and see that it is something that we can achieve. It's not far out of reach. If you want spiritual fulfillment, that's available for, for everyone because hard times will come. They're coming. More hard times are, are on their way. Um, we might have times of joy, but we're going to have times of conflict and of, and of difficulty. And if we don't have that true sense of fulfillment, our life is going to fall apart when we're faced with those moments. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7. If you hear and do my words, you'll be like the wise man that built his house on a foundation, a solid foundation, and you won't fall, and God won't let you fall, because you'll be built on him. So if you need prayers of the church this morning, you want your life to be more built upon that foundation, you feel like you're lacking in that sense, and you need prayers, um, or if there's anyone that, that desires to be baptized into Christ, to have remission of your sins, to begin to be complete and to begin to live in this, this life uh, and making Christ the light of our life, then this is, how, this is where it begins. And if you'll uh, come forward, we'll absolutely pray with you. There's no shame in, in coming forward at all. We, we love that and want to share with you love and support. So if there's anybody that has a need, please come forward as we stand and as we sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.